Hey there, friends and foes. Welcome to Back of the Cereal Box. I am your host, the prophet of pop culture, John Pica. You can call me Johnny. Avengers comic books, Star Wars movies, and Saturday morning cartoons made me who I am today. And we are all about celebrating the fun of the Saturday mornings of our youth while surviving adulthood. And this week, we've got some awesome cereal news. We've got some Star Wars news, some board game news, and of course, new comics. Yum! And we'll get to that right after these messages. It's like Coca-Cola, Levi Strauss, Johnny Carson and Mickey Mouse. The first star was James Dean. Helmets Presley, yeah, he's still the king. Some things are only imitatable. You can't be that original. Welcome back to the Virtual Rec Room. Back of the Cereal Box is a pop culture podcast that celebrates the fun of the Saturday mornings of our youth while surviving adulthood today. I am of an age where we did not have iPhones or iPads at the breakfast table on Saturday morning. We were reading the back of the cereal box. That was our world. That was our newspaper. And that was my exposure to cool pop culture stuff that I love today. Movies and cartoons and comic books and games and toys and even music. And we celebrate those things. We celebrate the fun of the Saturday morning experience because in between cartoons, kaiju, and kung fu movies, we were reading the back of the cereal box. And on our live video shows, we eat cereal in our pajamas. So if you're not watching us live on Saturday mornings, you need to do that. But breakfast cereal is a big, big part of that Saturday morning experience. And we've got some awesome news coming from Post Cereal. They've heard the petitions, they've seen it, and they are bringing back permanently the classic Waffle Crisp. If you've never had Waffle Crisp, you've got to go grab it now. We'll be doing a review of it on the show because it's been since I was a kid that I've had it. It's not been widely available since 1996. And then it was pulled from shelves completely in 2018 after a limited release. So now it is actually back permanently because of you, the fans. Go get you some. Let us know what you think about Waffle Crisp. Also, the Great American Cookie Company, Great American Cookies and Marble Slab Creamery are adding Fruit Loop options to their menu. So now you can get Fruit Loops added into your cookies, added into your cereal. Hey, Great American Cookies and Marble Slab You know, you can go to Marble Slab and you can get a handmade uh, cookie ice cream sandwich. Now you can add Fruit Loops to the ice cream in the sandwich. Oh my God. 
I'm going to Marble Slab on the way home after recording this episode. How epic is that? Oh, I can't wait. You could do you could do Fruit Loops cereal swirl cookies along with Fruit Loops cereal swirl slab combinations. You could do, uh, marshmallows and uh, you, you, oh my god, the mind just boggles. That is such an awesome thing. Marble Slab Creamery Fruit Loop options. Go check it out. Let us know what you think. And then also, if you haven't heard, this is awesome. Target has brand new cereal scented candles available at Target. They come in just about every scent from blueberry pancakes to uh, auto shop, but you can actually buy a candle that smells like your favorite breakfast cereal from General Mills. So they've got Cinnamon Toast Crunch, Honey Nut Cheerios, Tricks, Lucky Charms, Cocoa Puffs. I mean, come on. Cereal scented candles. I can't wait to go grab some. You know what? That might have to be a new loot segment later this week. Star Wars movies, Avengers comics, and Saturday morning cartoons made me who I am today. And this week, we've got some Star Wars news. Now, I don't think this is a surprise to anybody that the original plans for the Obi-Wan Kenobi TV series on Disney Plus was originally to be a movie trilogy. We were told that back in... Golly, when it was first announced, right before the release of Solo. It was around the same time that they had announced Rogue One and the Solo anthology. And of course, Solo did not perform up to expectations. And that's when Disney pulled back on Lucasfilm and decided to put their focus on completing the sequel trilogy and really focusing on the Disney Plus platform. To their credit, it's worked out really well. But in that transition, they decided instead of doing a trilogy for Obi-Wan, they would do a six-part Disney Plus series. And I think that was best. I don't think we need a trilogy about Ben Kenobi. I don't even know that we needed six episodes of a series. I don't know that we needed an Obi-Wan Kenobi series. As much as I enjoyed it, I was trepidatious about it i was dubious did we really need obi-wan you know was there really more to discover after you know three prequel films the clone war series rebels and episodes four five and six i i don't know but we got a great series out of it and i really enjoyed that now i hope they just keep it at a one and done i really don't want to see a season two I want there to be some mystery about what Obi-Wan was doing for the next 10 years. Training with Qui-Gon, that's good enough for me to know. But this week it was also announced that Taika Waititi, who has directed several episodes of The Mandalorian, and I believe an episode of Book of Boba Fett. I could be wrong. Correct me if I am. But he's also the director of... What We Do in the Shadows, the director of Thor Ragnarok, and the upcoming Thor Love and Thunder. He has been given the green light to create his own Star Wars film. And all we know is that he is going to make it uniquely his own. And he said, when asked about 
if he had to restrain his more absurdist or ambitious ideas for the upcoming film, he confirmed, no, I am able to bring you my tone. At the moment, it's just very early because I still haven't even finished the script. I'm trying to come up with ideas and I'm mostly kind of in that part of the process where it's still very kind of open. And when I write, I kind of write every idea I've ever had and then start to kind of chisel down into something. But I'm still throwing everything at the wall right now. I want to say that like he would say, I'm still throwing everything at the wall right now. Ah, that was a horrible impression. But, you know, it's too soon to really speculate about what Taika Waititi is going to do. All I can say is that he did a phenomenal job directing the Disney Plus entries in The Mandalorian. He's done a phenomenal job with Thor. Ragnarok has become one of my top three MCU movies. And I'm super excited about Thor Love and Thunder. And um, I'm kind of excited. I want to know what you think, though. Taika Waititi, are you excited what he'll do with the Star Wars universe? Are you hesitant? Are you dubious? Let us know. Post a comment in our Facebook group or send us a voicemail or an email old school at backoftheserialbox.fun. We want to hear from you about this week's Star Wars news, specifically Taika Waititi. Time to talk board games. Do you love board games? I love board games. And this week, Screen Rant listed their top four best board games for fans of Stranger Things. Now, I love Stranger Things. I've been engrossed in season four. I'm anxious about part two. It's not come out yet. As of this recording, I'm on pins and needles on how this story is going to end this season. But one of the central themes of Stranger Things is the connection to Dungeons & Dragons. I'm not a Dungeons & Dragons fan. I'm not a role-playing game fan. But Screen Rant released their list of the top four best board games that fans of Stranger Things would love. And number four is Kids on Bikes, The Snallygaster Situation. And it's basically Stranger Things in a box. Strange things have been happening, weird sounds echo through the nights, and the new kid at school has vanished. And these up to five kids, quote-unquote, will investigate the town for clues on their bikes while evading the monster and condescending adults and federal agents who will hamper any progress. And what's cooler is that one player takes on the role of the lost kid and will have to lay down breadcrumbs for the other players to follow. I I mean, it just sounds like a super fun version of Stranger Things in board game fun or board game form. I'm super excited about that. Now, the next two have been on my list for a long time and I've never picked them up and maybe now is the time Elder Signs dials it back to the Roaring Twenties and that's why it's been on my list I am a huge fan of Deco Punk and Diesel Punk, the style and aesthetics of the 1920s, 30s and 40s and this game players take on the role of investigators who must prevent a Lovecraftian 
entity from another dimension from entering the world, and to succeed, players must locate necessary eldritch symbols needed to seal the various portals that will allow the entity to come through. I This has been on my list for ages. The only thing that has kept me from getting it is that, one, it takes about two hours. It's a complicated game, but the other reason is I don't have a game group willing to invest two, three hours in a game for me to try it out. The next one is very similar in that it's been on my list forever. It's a co-op board game, which I love co-op, which means all of the players play together to win, and it's a Lovecraftian theme called Eldritch Horror. And it replaces the idea of kids needing to protect their town from interdimensional monsters with investigators having to protect the fate of the world from eldritch entities. And again, players will once again don the robes of investigators who will travel to the world to unravel clues or fight off pesky cults to prevent and weaken the arrival of the elder being. And it's really the epitome because it's a, it's, it's, a cooperative game. So it's like this mashup of Stranger Things and Indiana Jones, but it's the epitome of allies banding together to vanquish strange and terrifying horrors from the beyond. I love co-op games, and this one may be one worth picking up just to be able to play with friends and family, because with a co-op game, you all win or lose as a team, and that takes a lot of pressure off. I really love it. And then number one on this list is a game I'd never heard of. And it's called Escape from Aliens in Outer Space. It's a card game. And it utilizes strategy and bluffing with elements of social deduction and hidden movement. The ship's power has been knocked out, plunging everything into darkness. But what's worse is the strange and horrifying parasite that is turning the crew into flesh-hungry monsters. Dun, dun, dun. And players will take on the role of surviving crew members and voracious alien monstrosities. This, this has a lot of different things going on for it. It's described as tense and fast-paced, and it evokes the idea of players trapped in the upside-down with a dash of mistrust as others could secretly be terrors from the beyond. What do you think? What's your favorite board game that ties into the theme of Stranger Things? Let us know. And this Saturday morning on our live stream broadcast, we will be talking about your favorite board games. So join us and let us know what you're playing, what your favorite is, and why. This Midweek in Geek episode would not be complete without mentioning The Umbrella Academy Season 3 and Ms. Marvel on Disney+. Plus. I finished The Umbrella Academy Season 3 last night. I loved it. I loved the entire season. However, I am on the fence about the ending. I won't give you any spoilers but I'm not sure I like the way this season ended. And does it leave it open for a season four? And if so, I can't imagine where in the world this show could go for a season four. 
All I can tell you is that I was on pins and needles, I was on the edge of my seat, and I feel like the finale was just a little bit, and I was anticlimactic. I was like, that's it? That's all they're going to give me? What? What? What do you mean? Are you... That was my reaction. Although I loved it. I'd love to know what you think. This morning I watched Ms. Marvel episode number four, Turning Red or Seeing Red, where she goes to Pakistan to find out more about her powers and her her uh, history and her ancestry. And it was okay. It felt like a filler episode. A lot of action. A lot more mastery of her powers. But... By episode four, we should be so hooked that we can't turn away. And I just wasn't feeling that with episode four. I'm not saying that it wasn't good. I'm not saying that it was bad or that I didn't like it. But I found myself stopping and starting and pausing it twice in that 42-minute episode. I needed a little bit more, and I'm hoping episode five gives it to us. I really felt like them being in Pakistan and some of the things that I was seeing and that were going on, we might see a cameo by another MCU character. Maybe Moon Knight or the Scarlet Scarab, Layla, or maybe, you know, one of the Dora Molanger from Wakanda. I I feel like it's time to see some cameos and not just Easter eggs or references to the larger MCU. I would love to know what you think about both Umbrella Academy and Ms. Marvel Episode 4. Do you agree or disagree? Let us know. Post a comment in our Facebook group or send us a voicemail or an email at backoftheserialbox.fun. What a packed episode! And before we get to new comics, yum, we have to acknowledge our sponsor, Hitchhiker Toys, hitchhikertoys.com. They are based in White House, Tennessee, family owned and operated, and just phenomenal people to work with. It's a phenomenal shop to go to. They always have something I'm looking for or something I need. Need? I need a lot, actually. But... Even if you can't get to White House, Tennessee, you can check them out at hitchhikertoys.com. They do eBay auctions and whatnot auctions, and check them out. All right, it is time for New Comics. Yum! Today is Wednesday. It is New Comics Day in the United States, and this week I picked up some great titles, mostly by Marvel. Saturday may see some more indie titles, but... Ooh, how exciting. First up, She-Hulk number four. She-Hulk number four is written by Rainbow Roel with art by Luca Maresca and Rico Renzi. I've been loving this series. Loving, loving, loving the return of Jack of Hearts. And in this episode, She-Hulk is going to go another few rounds with her frenemy, Titania, and uh, of course, you know, they have come to an agreement, and um, oh my gosh, and there are cameos by Sam Wilson, Captain America, Moon Knight, looks like Shang-Chi, Wong, Spider-Woman, Nova, and Nightcrawler, and Reed Richards, 
Oh my goodness. This episode, this episode, this issue is packed. I cannot wait to read this. This is excellent. Da, da, da. And if you are a Moon Knight fan like I am, Moon Knight number 12. And this is finishing up his battle with the assassin known as Zodiac fighting for the soul of the Midnight Mission. It's written by Jed McKay. Artist is Alessandro Capuccio. And this series has been phenomenal. It's been really great. And at the end of issue 12, there is a brand new status quo for Moon Knight and his friends. Dun, dun, dun. Great story. Gorgeous art. I love what they are doing on Moon Knight. Up next, I picked up something that I normally wouldn't get. Spider-Man 2099. Only because it features the Avengers of 2099. I am an Avengers Freakosaurus. Written by Steve Orlando. Art by Zay Carlos. And this has an Avengers team that includes a Moon Knight. It includes someone that looks remarkably like Monica Rambeau. I've not read it yet. Uh, Rowena Stern. Ooh, what a, that's who she is. So it stars um, John Eisenhart, the Hulk, Rowena Stern, Captain Marvel, Shay Lu, Arrow, Mackenzie Salgado as Wave, Roberta Mendez is Captain America, and Tushamba is the Black Panther. And um, this is the Avengers of 2099. I love the Avengers. I'm addicted to the Avengers. I can't wait to read that. Looks really good. Now, speaking of the Avengers, Earth's Mightiest Heroes, issue number 57 of their series hit shelves this Wednesday, written by Jason Aaron and Javier Garron. And uh, Javier Garron is the uh, artist on this. And this issue focuses on a side story with um, with the Soldier Supreme, a uh, soldier from World War II, Sergeant, uh, I don't know that they give his full name, but Sarge, who is the Sorcerer Supreme and kind of in the same role as... Uh, Sergeant Nick Fury, and he's got a team of his commandos that includes a uh, tank-driving Ghost Rider, a version of Blade, and the War Thing, the uh, Swamp Thing, and um, really cool, but completely unrelated to the... This is the one thing that I really take issue with Jason Aaron with. He goes on these side quests that have little or no connection immediately to the storyline going on. And I know it ties into Avengers Forever, but I feel like now Avengers Forever has gone on for five issues, and and it's tying into the last five issues of the Avengers main book, ten issues so far, to tell a story that Roger Stern or Steve Thomas or uh, or Roy Thomas and Steve Englehart or Jim Shooter or David Michelini would have told in three issues. It's gone on too long. Jason Aaron, time to wrap this story up and give us some action. All right, I know nothing about this, but I picked up Black Adam 
issue number one. It is one of 12 in a limited series starring the character of Black Adam. It's by Priest, Rafa Sandoval on art, Matt Hermes on color, and Willie Schubert on lettering. Um, Beautiful, beautiful to look at, and I am intrigued. I'm a kind of a fan of reformed villains, and I love the idea that Black Adam has been given a chance to become a hero. So that's new on shelves from DC. And then finally... Maybe the most unique offering this week is from Dynamite. This is number one by Jordan Clark, uh, Pasquale Quilano, and Mariana Pugilia. And this is Samurai Sonia. Basically, what if Red Sonia were born or created or originated in feudal Japan. And so this Red Sonia is a samurai, Samurai Sonia, and she's battling Oni, an evil samurai, and I love the art. I love everything that I'm seeing. I cannot wait to read this. Oh, and there's a Leviathan sea monster. But, you guys, there's an ad, and I'm horrified by this. There's a new comic series written by Sholly Fitch, illustrated by Jason Crosby, coming out in July. Madballs versus Garbage Pail Kids. The gross-out face-off you never expected is here. For the first time ever, the heavyweights of gross have combined forces in a massive merchandising blitz that pits the Madballs against the Garbage Pail Kids. Winner take all. As part of this blitz, Dynamite presents the comic book crossover of these iconic 1980s brands. I know a lot of my fans out there, a lot of our friends and foes are going to love that crossover. I'm not so excited about that. But, all right, friends and foes, that does it for this episode of Midweek and Geek. That was a lot to pack in, a lot of meat and potatoes, and I would love to get your comments, love to get your feedback. Go to backoftheserialbox.fun, and there are a lot of ways to interact with us, to connect with us, email, voice messages. You can link to our Facebook group, The Back of the Serial Box, Saturday Morning Rec Room, and post comments. Get involved in the community. Let us know what you think. And you can even contribute there, clicking the coffee cup icon on our homepage. That takes you to buymeacoffee.com slash cerealboxpod. And there you can make a financial donation, a financial contribution to the cause. Help us improve the show. Help us keep great content coming. You can buy us one, two, three bowls of cereal. You can buy us an entire box of cereal and become an annual subscriber at buymeacoffee.com slash cerealboxpod. But just click the little coffee cup icon on the homepage at backofthecerealbox.fun. Thanks for tuning in. If you love the show, make sure you tell two, three hundred of your closest friends and family to come share the fun. And until the next time, love you, mean it. We'll catch you on the back of the cereal box.